I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. All right. Well, we are sitting down with Joyce Christensen, uh, the acting interim executive director at the Association of Registered Nurses of Manitoba. And uh, Joyce, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just I'm gonna... a quick clarification. Oh, OK. Here we go. It's surprise, surprise, regulated it nurses, wrong. not registered. Oh, did I say? Re- oh, yeah, you're right. Regu- so, OK. OK. What's the difference between regulated uh, and registered? Regulated nurses include uh, licensed practical nurses, registered psychiatric nurses, registered nurses, and nurse practitioners. Ah, uh, so it's okay. like it, it's like the big umbrella. <clears throat> all yes. the nurses, all the nurses under one one giant um, uh, rain protective device. Yeah, t- as, yeah, as roof, yeah. umbrella, whatever <laughs> yeah, you prefer. Yeah. Um, well, that well, it's, I, I'm glad you clarified that, uh, Joyce. Um, uh, but before you know what, I have a question. But before I get into it, why don't I'm going to hand the 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 uh, the floor over to you? Um, please take a moment to introduce yourself and and give our listeners a little bit of insight into um, into who Joyce is, the work that you do, how long have you been uh, in in the field of nursing? Uh, tell us a little bit about your your career as a nurse. Sure, I have been a registered nurse for over forty years. I started my career um, at the Winnipeg General Hospital. I have worked in rural, urban, northern communities. I've worked across four provinces, um, not in the Maritimes, but I've been Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. Um, And I have spent most of my career managing nurses and managing health systems. I retired from all that uh, in the fall of 2021 and took up a new job with the Association of Regulated Nurses of Manitoba, which is a great fit for me because it gives me an opportunity to advocate for nurses and for healthcare uh, in a way that I really couldn't when I was working in the system. So, and in terms of working with people, a good chunk of my career has been spent in rehabilitation and geriatrics, uh, helping people be the best they can and live till the end of their life. Um, 
So while I've worked in long-term care, I'm not about uh, warehousing people. It's about living. Mm. Joyce, before we, uh, before we really dive into kind of like what the work is you're doing now, um, I'm curious, I was, we were having a conversation. We, uh, had a, a, uh, a weekend away, uh, this past weekend and, and a conversation that we ended up having was about, um, was on the topic of nursing and just like how challenging of a job that nursing is, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and the high demands and burnout and, you know, all the, uh, and the thousand tasks, uh, kind of like the jack of all trades that nurses, um, uh, seem to, to have to be in their, in their position. And having spent several decades in the field as a registered nurse, um, how, how, how have you, how has that arc kind of played out for you? Like what, what, what has been, what was your, your sort of, um, coping mechanism or, or management system for dealing with the, the seemingly trillion things that can go wrong, do go wrong, st- like stress input, and all the things that go along with being a nurse in mm. such a challenging career. Oh, that's a that's a deep one. Um, <laughs> so, for me, a big chunk of it has been about being really clear about what's important to me and that's people Mm. um so if i need to prioritize things i'm going to prioritize spending time talking to people being with people listening to people um that means sometimes the paperwork that's part of my job doesn't get done Mm. and I made a decision long ago that that was something that I was okay with. Um, nursing is one of those careers where you can do so many things and you're expected to fill in for so many people. When I started my nursing career, there there really weren't a lot of other people in the healthcare system. Um, That's changed over my career, but what usually happens is nurses are there 24 seven. We hope not the same nurse for 24 hours straight, (laughs) but nurses are there and many other disciplines are there for a few hours at a time and they bring great knowledge great expertise to the table but then when they're not there nurses need to fill in and that i think has been one of the challenges of the the changes in the nursing profession Mm. is how to work collaboratively with other team members but at the same time, recognize that sometimes you have to fill in for them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my uh, my partner is a, a nurse in the CVICU, and you know every time she comes home from a shift, um, I I ask her how was how was work, and some days you know some days she's like today was good, but some days some days she comes home and and some of the stuff she tells me. 
um, you know, it like it it is staggering. Um, or, or it's it's such a I, I think people I don't think people really quite think about the amount of of I guess I guess the amount of trauma that comes along with the the work as a nurse. I mean, obviously, depending on where you, where you work and and the the type of nursing that you do. But like, it uh, it never ceases to amaze me when she comes home and she tells me, you know, about a, a what a rough day is like for her at work. And, <clears throat> and like the other day, you know, she came home and I was like, "How was work?" And she was like, "Well, you know," and she laid out a list of things that happened that are, by all accounts so horrific like so in intensely horrific and then she says how was your day and i was like well i i had a conversation with a really funny person and my friends today like i, I i'm like i'm such a waste to the to to to, to, to this this society yet you're out here doing these like insane things for your job on a, on a constant basis day in day out um and it's and she's only working casual and, and, and I, I just like, I, I commend her so much for the work that she does because it, it really is, um, it really is a wild job. And, and the interesting thing for me too, is that my mother was a nurse. Um, and I never really talked to my mom about her work when I was growing up, but it, in, in being with someone who is a nurse and, and being so close to it now, it really does give me a, a, a whole new perspective on the type of work that my mom did when I was growing up. Um, and, and the fact that she, you know, she stuck with that job and has now, uh, recently retired. Um, I just, I, you know, she, my mom's a, a friggin' superhero. Um, uh, one thing that I, that I would love to kind of clarify, and this is something that you, you had mentioned earlier. Um, and it's something that I've never really actually taken the time to investigate and, and sort of break down and, and get clarification on, but you, you mentioned a, a sort of under the, under the regulated nurses, um, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a bunch of different roles, right? So you, you said, uh, um, a licensed, uh, is a licensed practitioner nurse? What LP, what's LPN? Licensed practical nurse in right. most of Canada. Um, in Ontario, it is a, an RPN. Um, I can't think what that stands for in Ontario, but anyway, uh, so, um, A licensed practical nurse um, has completed a, usually a two-year diploma program um, focused on uh, basic nursing skills and care. A registered nurse now has completed a four-year baccalaureate degree that adds a little more theory behind the practice of a licensed practical nurse. A registered psychiatric nurse has a four-year baccalaureate degree with a focus in mental health. Hmm. And a nurse practitioner has a master's degree uh, in nursing. So the Difference is primarily in the educational uh, preparation. Um, The skill set of each individual nurse varies, too. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, 
I've worked with some LPNs that are the some of the strongest nurses I have ever worked with. Um, but the that's the the theory difference in practice. Supposedly, the LPNs care for the more stable patients. Mm. The reality is there aren't very many stable patients in the healthcare system mm-hmm, these days. Mm-hmm. So um, there's lots of lots of overlap. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you clarified that because uh, when I was growing up, my mom, uh, my mom who was an LPN. <clears throat> um, I, I think I asked her when I was a kid, what's the difference between an LPN and an RN? She said, LPN is a lower paid nurse and RN is a rich nurse. And I just went, mm-hmm. okay, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> Thanks, <Mom. laughs> and I, I've definitely heard that. Uh, hey, can, can I ask, what is it what, there, in, in, in prepping for the, for the conversation today, there was something that, uh, that you had mentioned, which is uh, an IEN. What, what is an IEN? Internationally Educated Nurse. Mm. Um, so in Canada right now, it varies province to province, but about somewhere around 25% of our nursing workforce, uh, did their education outside of Canada. Some of them Canadian citizens who'd gone to High school here couldn't get into a nursing program, so left Canada to take one elsewhere. Others uh, are immigrants from other countries who have uh, taken their nursing education and practiced in other countries. Um, And the reason that that's a, a big concern for me is... We have a huge shortage of nurses in Canada. We hear about that all the time. Mm. And some people suggest that internationally educated nurses are the solution. I don't think they are because the world has a huge shortage of nurses. So if we bring more internationally educated nurses to Canada, um, that just leaves bigger holes around the world. Mm. And however, I think there's a lot we can do in Canada to make it easier for people who have chosen to live here and who are health professionals in other countries to integrate them into our health system. Mm. There's a lot of work to do because Not all education programs are the same. Um, Not everybody's background is the same. So how do we be sure that the person is safe to practice in the healthcare system in Canada? But right now, we've got a lot of steps that people need to go through to get registered or licensed in Canada. And I'm not sure that those steps do the job that we want them to, to protect Canadians. Mm. Is, is there, is there a, for, for internationally educated nurses, um, or, or nurses, um, 
and and just just before I ask this question, is that a designation, or does that, or is that just a term that applies to somebody who has a diploma or a degree of nursing in another country, or is it a separate? Just a term. Okay. Okay. Um, so, is there? Do we have a? Does Canada or other countries um, have a like a list of nations that are sort of like prioritized for the standard of nursing care? So, for example, like you know, nurses that are, that are, are educated in the UK and work in the NHS, you know, we have a fairly similar healthcare system. So we have a, we feel fairly confident that nurses coming from the UK and who are working with in the NHS are going to fit in fairly well in the Canadian healthcare system. Whereas there might be an, another country that might not have the same standards of education. So we might be more wary of nurses coming from that, um, from, from that country. Like, is there, do we have that a list of, uh, of sort of like, like approved or, um, preferred nations, uh, education systems that fall into what we would like to people that we would like to have from other countries in our nursing system? If we do, I don't know about it. Hmm. Does that sound like so, a good idea or, or am I, or am I just, am I missing something? Well, it, it might be a good idea. But the, the reality is that most of the nurses who are looking to come to Canada are coming from countries that perhaps don't have the same medical system as the UK. Right. Um, so we see a fair number of nurses from Asia, from Africa, from the Caribbean. Um, so those are usually the nurses that are wanting to, to come to Canada. Um, there's a lot of work going on right now to try and streamline the processes, but it covers both provincial and federal governments because immigration is a federal responsibility. Health is a, pro a provincial one. Um, it covers the 13 different sets of rules to regulate nursing practice across the provinces and territories. Um, so trying to get to a list is quite a challenge, mm -hmm. but I know here in Manitoba, we're, we're doing a lot of work right now to try and figure out what we can do to make it more efficient and effective, but also maintain the standards that Canadians have come to expect from the healthcare system. So yesterday I was on a couple of meetings talking about this. And one of the things that we identified as a, a need and a place where our association is going to look to fill it is a place for people to connect with one another and get news, get information, get the correct information, not the information from your friend that went through the process 10 years ago. Um, so where is there a one-stop shop? So we're looking to set up a one-stop shop for those that are in Manitoba are looking to come to Manitoba. Mm -hmm.
Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Are there? Are there? Uh- um, the context of this question is that I went to a, uh, I was really fortunate. I went to a, like a really amazing private school in the last two years of my, two years of my high school, <clears throat> um, down in the States in uh, New England. And, um, my school had like a, had, um, like partnerships, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like, uh, uh like a year, year abroad partnerships with a lot of schools, like all over the world. So we had one with bots right, with a school in Botswana, one with one in Thailand, one with, one in Scotland, uh, Hungary, like they were, they were all over the world. And we sent students there for a a semester or a year abroad. And we got students from their schools and, and, and sort of, there was this like partnership between the, between our school and theirs. Is there any, are there any, um, is, is there any similar type of program, whether it's like maybe with a provincial provincially set up, or maybe it's with individual hospitals where there are sort of like partnerships between, um, between hospitals, um, hospitals in different countries where there's sort of like a, uh, like a cross pollination of education, um, so that they're, wh- whether it's, you know, uh, uh, uh just kind of like a, a partnership where, where, where we're learning from them and they're learning from us and, and creating and, and, and trying to bridge that gap in maybe standards in, in, especially in countries where maybe the overall standard is not quite as, as high or the same as it might be in Canada? There are. And um, those are happening at a number of levels. Um, There are a couple of universities that have um, faculty that move back and forth um, around the world. Um, University of Calgary, did have a partnership in China for quite a while. Um, I believe that one has ended at this point, but I think we're also seeing more of those connections happening virtually Mm -hmm. um, and people getting the opportunity to connect with one another to find out what's going on. So what what is the like is the canadian licensing standards the the same across the country or does it does it differ depending on the province and and that that licensing standard you know is that one of the things that makes it possible for iens to 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 participate within the the canadian healthcare system um the standards are set provincially mm-hmm. they are very similar across the country, uh, but not identical. So each province has legislation that determines what body is responsible for regulating nursing and other professions. Um, And so while the standards are pretty similar, 
um, there are some, some uniquenesses. So for me, when I moved from one province to another, um, I couldn't just move and start working as a registered nurse. I needed to go through a process of submitting all the information about where I'd gone to school, what program I'd been through. Um, I needed a criminal record check. Um, at one point I moved provinces less than 12 months apart and I had to repeat the criminal record check. Um, you need to pay, of course, there's, there's fees behind all this. Mm. And, um, in some jurisdictions, there are language tests. Right. How, how does how does that work for travel nurses? You know, like say my my partner decides she wants to go um, uh, pick up a travel nursing contract in in Manitoba, um, and and you know uh, went to school here at Saint FX in in <clears throat> Nova Scotia. Um, is is it the same kind of process of like of getting that you know three months in Manitoba that you got to go through the whole rigmarole to to get that the, sort of application? Most of the travel agencies have got that worked out pretty cleanly with the various colleges. Right. Um, and so they have processes that, uh, that they've got in place to make that work fairly well. Right. I just curious about the <clears throat> back to like the work that you do specifically, you, you were saying that, you know, uh, a big part of your work is, is advocating, um, which is something that you, you didn't really have much of an opportunity to do when you were, um, you know, like working in the field. Um, <clears throat> what does that advocation look like for you on, on a day-to-day basis? What are the things that you are primarily advocating for um, in, in, in your line of work? Well, right now, we've sort of set three priorities. Uh, One is streamlining the process for internationally educated nurses so that they can get working Mm. in the health system. Um, The second one is the mental health of nurses. Um, And the third one, is the involvement of nurses in policy and planning for healthcare. Mm. Um, so what that looks like is we knock on politicians' doors and ask for an opportunity to talk with them. Um, last week, we hosted a uh, Zoom call with the Minister of Health and any nurses in the province who wanted to join in. We took questions in advance uh, and a few during the session for the minister to connect more directly with nurses because when I met with the minister in May, she identified that one of the things she really wanted to do was to be able to hear from nurses. So. We made that possible for her. Um, we've also opened that up for other politicians. So we're having a uh, the leader of one of the other parties 
online in a couple of weeks to respond to questions from nurses. Um, we're also working with the various regional health authorities and health boards here to say we want nurses to be involved in health system planning and to know that there are nurses involved. Mm -hmm. So much of <clears throat> health system planning happens behind closed doors with confidentiality agreements and everything. And that makes sense because everybody's really interested in the results and you don't want them released too far ahead of time. But if nurses believe that there is no one who understands the nursing role involved in the planning, they get very concerned and frustrated. Mm -hmm. uh, physicians tend to be front and center in health system planning because in Canada, we actually don't have a health system. We have a medical system. If you think about what's insured under the Canada Health Act, it's hospital-based services and those delivered by physicians. Um, and by that, do you uh, mean do you, do you mean by that like that it's um, <clears throat> it's um, <clears throat> kind of uh, like triage rather than um, rather than uh, like proactive sort of healthcare? Is that is that what you mean? Exactly. Um, for example, with many conditions, we know that diet plays a huge role, but you can't see a diet in most provinces. You can't see a dietitian right. in the public health system because that's not what's covered. Right. But you can um, wait, but you can wait until something until maybe, you know, years or decades of, of, of bad, of, of, of bad diet, uh, taking its effect on your health and then seeking care from that's, you know, federally covered. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's the way the system was designed because that's how things worked yeah. in 1960. Yeah. Um, or 58 or whatever year it was that Medicare came into existence. Um, so there are nurses have an incredible amount of knowledge and skills, but they're often not included in health system planning. Nurses aren't mm. good at blowing their own horns as a, as a general group. And, and there's, <clears throat> I mean, nurses are, <clears throat> you know, nurses are, you know, like they, they, like to me, they seem like the, they're the inf infantry, like they're on the ground. Yeah. They're spending the most time. They see this, they see, I would, I, I would guess that they, they see the most of, out of anybody, the, the way that things don't work. Um, right. and the way that things could be improved and the, um, and, and the way that, that those things could be improved. So it's, it's, I can see, I can hundred percent see how, how crucial it is for them to be involved in, in, in policy, um, and how healthcare is executed. Um, 
what does what does it look like when you mentioned um you mentioned um nurses health uh, mental health yeah um you know that's you know that's mental health in any in in anything is a tall is a tall task and a uh, and a very challenging uh, a very challenging thing to address um and and probably um, and probably more so than a lot of things um, in terms of work-related stuff in nursing. When, like Jeremy was saying earlier, you've got you've got um, you've got segments of you know places uh, um, places in a hospital setting where you could work, where you are seeing you know you are seeing you know horrific traumatic things on a daily basis. Um, like how 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 what does that work look like? Um. What we're really advocating for <laughs> is the opportunity for nurses to get access to help to deal with their mental health concerns when they need it. In a lot of places right now, if a situation is deemed a crisis, there's a crisis response team that comes to help people process it. But what a crisis is can really vary from mm. one person to another. Um, and I'll use the example of the school shooting in Texas a mm. few weeks ago. Most of us would agree that that would have been a very traumatic situation for the nurses on the scene working through that. But there was one story I heard out of that that I can only imagine how this person dealt with it afterwards. One of the paramedics on the scene was helping a little girl who talked about trying to stop the bleeding in her best friend's chest. And after a few minutes, the paramedic realized that that was his daughter, mm. that the little girl he was helping uh, was talking about. Oh my God. So he was in the middle of it, knowing that his daughter was lying dead there somewhere. His level of stress, his ability to cope had to be much more seriously impacted than the other people around him. And I've been part of incidents where caring for a family member, um, you know, I, I remember one night getting a call to go into a small rural hospital to help because there were only two nurses on duty and the ambulance had let them know that they were on the way with both their children. Um, thank goodness. I was five minutes away from the hospital, was able to get there, and we ended up being able to save the kids. But the it just brings home that the 
the life that people live also impacts on their mental health. And so we need a system that allows people to access mental health when they identify that they need it, Mm. not when somebody else says it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, that was that was something that I I even had a conversation with Kira, my my partner, about the other day. You know, I was she was again telling me about a really rough day at work, and I was I was saying, you know, what are what are the what are the resources that you have for for um, dealing with your mental health? And really, that there's there's not a lot, you know, and it, and and it 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 did um, it did shock me to to hear that that's not sort of um, um, again, based on the type of work that that you guys do, <clears throat> that that isn't something that is uh, sort of worked out and included within the work because mm. it, it it seems like it is such a such a mentally taxing um, position to be in for a lot of people. And um, so I mean, you know, I I I'm I'm rooting for you in the work that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's. The, the the point there at the end that you made in in terms of it go, it it being available when you when you think that it would be helpful for you rather than when somebody assesses you and says oh this is something yeah. that needs to be taken care of now like in the same way that uh if i have a family doctor i can see if my family doctor about this thing that i'm concerned about and not wait for it to be the thing that you know brings me to the emergency room Mm -hmm. um and and i have access to that and we don't have that we don't really have that access really in the mental health um space and you know this is something that we we talked with uh carolyn bennett the uh the the newly appointed minister of mental health and addictions a few weeks ago um and that was something that we talked to to her a lot about was just the, Mm -hmm. the the overarching um, sort of like reintegration of like mental health services back into the into the covered Canadian healthcare system, um, um, bringing it in you know, tall task probably going to take a long time, um, but bringing that back under the umbrella of healthcare rather than it being a, a, you know like a totally privatized mm-hmm. sort of healthcare industry. One one of the one of the final things that I'd like to kind of touch on here before we wrap, um, especially considering that you are working in uh, in Winnipeg in Manitoba, um, is what what is the what's the kind of work that um, is happening right now that that you guys do for Indigenous communities um, to accommodate like safe cultural nursing care in hospitals or um, or how how you're able to serve those communities like within their own community. One of the one of the key ways is by moving to First Nations control of their own healthcare systems. Mm. Um, and we just last week had a significant announcement about um, changes in healthcare service in the southern half of the province where approximately 30 First Nations have banded together and will be taking responsibility um, for those health systems with staff who are primarily from the community, from the the, uh, First Nations who have a good understanding of what is happening. 
Um, I also had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to be present at the graduation of a class of uh, Métis nurses who are committed and focused on moving forward in their communities, um, supporting the cultural and uh, health elements. Um, it's a it's a huge challenge because there's a piece of it that is under federal jurisdiction. There's a piece under provincial jurisdiction, and there's a piece under First Nations jurisdiction. Um, so there's lots of work to be done. But when people actually are willing to talk to one another and work together, we can we can make a lot happen. So uh, University of Manitoba has a, a program called, and I'm going to butcher it because my Anishinaabe is poor, Omekwazan, which is um, both health delivery, health research, and health policy and education uh, on First Nations communities. And um, they are graduating a number of nurses uh, and other health practitioners, physicians, physiotherapists, occupational therapists mm. from First Nations communities. Uh, so I guess my belief is that those of us that aren't from a First Nations community can learn a lot and can listen but the biggest thing that we can do is take direction from those who are intimately involved in the first nations community mm -hmm. well joyce i i gotta say this has been a, a real treat to be able to sit down with you and get some insight into the work that you do as the executive director at the Association of Regulated Nurses of Manitoba. Nailed it. Uh, thank you. Uh, I want to say thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to sit down with us. Uh, this has been really fun, and it, and it really means a lot. Great. Thank you very much, guys. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Joyce. That is it for this week's edition of Routine Checkup. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. It means the world to us. And if you'd like to continue listening to the podcast, you can do that right here on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And of course, if you want to support the podcast further, you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on your Spotify mobile app. And uh, even Better than that, why don't you tell someone that you know, tell someone that you love, tell someone that you don't know, that you listen to Sick Boy Podcast and recommend it to them because we always love those extra ears. The podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. The podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis at Talent Bureau. The theme music for today's episode comes from Rich O'Coin. Thanks again, folks. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week. That's it for now. My name is Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.